I'm Darren Garrahy, and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. From their first memories of laughter, to feeling laughed at, to the moment where if they didn't laugh, they'd cry. People go nuts for a gold medal. <laughs> Especially if it's an Olympic or a Paralympic gold medal. Like when I was at an event and this woman was like losing it over this medal, yeah. right? And I was like watching her and I was watching the ribbon of the medal. And it goes into her tea. <laughs> what? And she was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I was like, ha 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 ha. My eye twitching. <laughs> like, how do you clean the ribbon of a gold medal? Irish Paralympic gold medalist and Dancing with the Stars goddess, Ellen Keane, is my guest this week. She talks to me about how she learned to cope with depression, Brazilian thong awkwardness, and the funniest jacuzzi story you will ever hear. I'm delighted to tell you that this season of the Laughs of Your Life podcast is brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco. Pop in for the weekly shop and step out in style with a new wardrobe this spring. And FYI, there's 25% off ladies' nightwear and slippers from today, the 14th, until the 27th of March. I popped in myself the other day to the Livy Valley store and got two pairs of fabulous jammies, shorts, and a cosy pair because this time of year you just don't know maybe you will need the shorts maybe you'll need fleecy ones so I got both FNF is available at selected Tesco stores find out where your nearest FNF store is by visiting tesco.ie forward slash store locator and now for my chat with Ellen Keane I hope you enjoy Ellen Keane you are extremely welcome to the Laughs of Your Life podcast. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. I was just telling Darren earlier that I was literally been waiting for this moment, like my whole life. <laughs> what? Since no, you started no, the podcast, I've been preparing my answers. <laughs> I love that. I love when people tell me that because sometimes I'm like, please tell me they've read the questions, but you very much have done your homework. Oh yeah, there's that new one about Ireland and... <laughs> she noticed I noticed there's I a noticed. new one about Ireland yeah there is a new one that was Paddy McKenna's idea good man Paddy McKenna thank you producer Paddy McKenna um, shall we just get cracking well first of all we must acknowledge thank you for abandoning your car you have an extremely hectic schedule at the moment yeah it's um, a bit busy. Yeah, it was hard to kind of get. It was actually, it took us, it was a bit of over and back about getting yeah. a day at a time. But we're here. It's a Friday evening. There's a buzz about town. You've just come from swimming. You've abandoned your car. Um, we're ready to do this. So thank you for slotting me into the timetable. And no problem. The dancing is very much taking over. I'm just here for all the votes. Like, <laughs> as long as I don't get voted out before this podcast comes out. No, to be honest, that's our fear as well. <laughs> we need to just get it out into the world. Well, then we'll just guilt everyone. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'll be fine. Okay, are you ready for your first question? I am. Ellen Keane, your first memory of laughter. So I've kind of always had a bit of humour around my arm. And I think it kind of stemmed from this one time in primary school. I think I was like in senior infants. And when I was born, so I was born without my left arm from below the elbow. And my parents kind of gave me the option of wearing a prosthetic and some like I'd wear it in school and like to see if I could use it and learn to use it and I never really got into it but I remember being in the in the yard and 
I was just messing around with this girl and I ended up like punching her in the face <laughs> with this prosthetic and it's this super heavy like there's the old fashioned ones were just so heavy and I ended up like punching her in the face with it and there was blood everywhere but like because neither of us kind of knew how to react we just started wetting ourselves laughing <laughs> and the teacher just came out and she was like I can't even give out to this child for for hurting this other child because she has a disability so I'm just gonna pretend nothing happened and that's kind of been like the theme of my life now I just love taking the piss out of my arm and like because people can get really really uncomfortable around disability and uh, I kind of tend to break the ice a bit by making one-handed jokes so even like my dance partner now, Stephen, will say things like two hands and la la la. And I'll be like, well, I would like to have two hands. Or like, they'll be like, do you need a hand? And I'll be like, well, obviously. Um, so yeah, that's a very clear memory of of laughter from when I was young. I love that, that, that you, you just face it, well, faced it head on from such a young age. Yeah. And that's just the way you've gone through life. Has there ever been a point where it hasn't felt like that or you've kind of gone, no, actually, I don't want to joke about it now or anymore? Um, no, not, not from my perspective. I think kind of like when I was a teenager, I went through a stage of being really insecure about my arm. So I would never really acknowledge to like strangers and stuff that I that I had one arm and I when I meet new people I would hide my arm a lot in sleeves because I was just so afraid of not being accepted and not fitting in um, and that went on for probably since I was like 12 till 19 well that's so long it is really 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 long and it stemmed from like I was never insecure about my arm and I was like a really happy giddy kid and I went on holidays to Orlando and because Irish people are class they don't care um, and I went on holiday to Orlando and I was in Walmart washing my hand and I couldn't figure out how to turn the tap on. And this woman came out and she was like, oh, don't worry, we get shark attacks all the time. And I literally was like, what? Yeah. And I literally was like, because that was, I was like 12. And that was like the first time I'd ever felt like I was different or like less than because I was different. Because everyone else just kind of gets on with it. Like Irish people just get on with it. And that was the first time I I literally didn't know what to say. And then I noticed later on on that holiday as well, like I was in the pool and like a 40 year old man just sat there staring at me. So when I came home from the holiday, I was just so insecure and I I was starting a, sec- a new secondary school as well and even though most of the kids that went to my primary school were in my secondary school I I just there was there was new people and I was just so afraid so I just hid my arm it's also though like as if puberty and adolescence isn't hard enough and you're not insecure like you know when you're that age and absolutely everything makes you mortified like if your mom says something in front of your friends and you're like I want to die with embarrassment for no for no reason mm. but then you have that extra level yeah. of insecurity yeah. so do you reckon that it's not a coincidence that it was that age that made it bad no but I also think like I went to an all girls school and when yeah. you're in an all girls school as well like lads don't care about these things like lads are just really? like all oh, right okay like I find it so much easier to be friends with lads than I do with girls and sometimes I find it so hard to talk to girls because I'm like what do we talk about like <laughs> I don't know what to talk about and maybe that's because I'm in sport as well okay um 
but like with girls it might be because they have girls tend to have more insecurities than boys at that age yeah that like I could feel their own insecurities off them um but like girls can be cruel as well and competitive and Mm. it's just like but they don't have to say anything to be cruel I agree though I think yeah girls schools can be so scary I I had to do a talk in a girls school um a few years ago and it was for a fourth years in a fourth years all girls school and I've never been so afraid terrifying so afraid yeah like I can swim in front of thousands of people yeah. but to stand up in a hall full of fourth years <laughs> all girls school is terrifying they just stare at you and you're like uh, um, I know and then yes. you're, you're like oh <laughs> so TikTok <laughs> and they're like who is this freak but Donica and Carl and I were down in Kerry this week and we went to the secondary school in Cars Iveen to chat to uh, fifth and sixth years and they were absolutely lovely but th- there were definitely moments where you're talking to them and you're like they think I'm the biggest loser. It's so much more daunting. Yeah, that's all they're thinking when they're looking at you and you're like, I'm not the cool guest. <laughs> they're, they're just going to talk about how weird I am afterwards when I leave. I know. Why didn't I brush my hair? <laughs> I know. Am I wearing weird shoes? Do they think I'm weird? Do you remember thinking that though when you're yeah. in school? Like, we were just so mean to our teachers. Yes, so mean. I know. You don't Absolute pressure. <laughs> I know it's so true Yeah Okay we need to move along God, okay. we're, we're, God we're flying through Okay so Ellen Keane The first time you felt laughed at Oh God Okay I can even feel myself sinking So I went I've been competing for a very long time um, And I remember I went on To a competition in South Africa When I was 11 I turned 12 when I was over there but when I was 11 and my my dad came with me and it was with the Irish team and our bags went missing so it was like our bags went missing on the connecting flight or whatever so they, we had to like go to the shops to buy uh, supplies for whenever our bags arrived so it was the basics like underwear or whatever and obviously my dad was like just go off and get whatever and like when I was 11 or 12 like do you ever remember those like little boxer briefs that oh, yeah. you'd wear yeah. yeah so like I picked up this underwear thinking yeah. it was like boxer briefs mm-hmm. was like a Brazilian thong didn't realise it until afterwards when it was all that I had to wear um, and then obviously my dad wasn't going to say anything but then when I came home I just kind of forgot about them and then it, they were like in my underwear kind of bo- uh, drawer <laughs> words um, and I ended up wearing them one day to school and it was like uh, we were doing a play and we were practicing for the play and I used to do hip hop so I was one of the dancers in the play and we were practicing and I had to do the worm oh and my skirt came up <laughs> my skirt came up so this 12 year old had her arse out like with my big dirty Brazilian thumb oh my god like later on that day in school oh my god the teachers are like and for rehearsals tomorrow everyone has to wear trousers no it was that obvious it was that obvious no like Ellen. I can see it I'm I dying. can see it on stage my bum oh god did your friends say anything at the no, time no no one said anything <laughs> but everyone saw everyone saw everyone laughed no one said a single thing to me I love that like a note going home to the parents <laughs> make sure that your kids are wearing proper knickers basically. suitable underwear <laughs> I bet my mom's listening to this if she is and she's like Eddie <laughs> oh my god you do hip hop 
Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. That's why I like wanted to do the show so much because I did hip hop for a few years and I kind of competed in it as well. And I had to choose between hip hop and swimming and I ended up choosing swimming. And now I've kind of gone for full circle and gone back to dancing. But like ballroom is nothing like hip hop. No, not at all. I understand the count of eight. That's about it. (laughs) How are you finding the whole experience? Because I because my sister Avian was in the first. I know. And she was deadly I literally was watching videos Trying to prepare And your sister was class She was unbelievable I was watching it being like Is that what they're all like I know She I was like, like Exceptional But One thing that I uh, Really noticed with her And with anyone who I kind of meet Who has done the show Like uh, You become absolutely obsessed 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 Have you been bitten by that bug? Obsessed Like I don't They have a podcast For the show as well And like I don't really listen to it I sometimes do But my boyfriend My boyfriend's obsessed With it now as well Like hooked (laughs) Like hooked Um, But he was listening To the podcast earlier And just the music came on And I was like Like I just got so excited And I was like This is so sad It's not sad I think it's I think it's Like it's understandable You're completely Thrown into it And also if you're A competitive person you like of course you're going to be like I'm going to eat breathe sleep this like it is an experience it's nothing like I'd ever thought for one and they'd asked me because I the first time I met my agent was in 2016 after Rio and she was like what do you want to do with this partnership and I was like I want to try and change people's perception of disabilities I want to grow power sport in Ireland and I want to do dance with stars (laughs) (laughs) yeah Oh of course gosh. I did I literally was like I want to do it um, And then They kept asking me to do it But I had to keep putting it off Because of Tokyo Yeah And then It got like Cancelled Because of the pandemic And I was like Oh my god What if it doesn't come back I've missed my chance And then The day of my race In Tokyo uh, They actually got approval From RTE To do it again um, And My agent called me Straight away And they are like It's fate They want you to come on I love it and I'm so, obsessed with it So when you met your Sorry What were the things You said you wanted to do So Dancing with the Stars um, Grow Paris Sport in Ireland Do you feel like how do you, Where do you feel Like we're at with that um, I think we're getting there We brought uh, The first ever uh, Para Competition in Ireland Happened And that was European Championships And it was swimming So that was fun Good. My face was everywhere Which was a bit ridiculous <laughs> you, you know Like when you say yes to things And you're like This is a great idea And yeah. then you see your face everywhere And you're like <laughs> This was not a great idea. I know. It was and an you're like, idea. my, I should have got a facial that week. Like you pick yourself apart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other one was to uh, change perceptions of disabilities yeah. in Ireland. And where um, do you think we are at with that? I think we're starting the conversation. And that's Only better starting. than ignoring the conversation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's difficult because... You can't really shame people. I never want to shame people for not knowing what they don't know um, because it's not their fault. Like they, when it comes to education as a kid, you just absorb whatever you're told. Um, And disability was never part of the curriculum and it was only ever wheelchair users. And then when it comes to the media, the reason why I got so insecure is because I couldn't see myself. So that's why I try so hard to put myself out there and put my body out there so that people can see me and see my body and get used to it. And I never really wanted to be that person. Like when I see all those posters and those billboards, I cringe because I'm like, oh, and even like getting my photo taken. I'm so awkward, but it's for a bigger purpose. And even with the show itself, like me and Erica are kind of 
on it for a greater purpose and we've talked about it and we've talked like I've like I was like I sometimes just wish I could just dance in the show but I can't just dance in the show I have to be on the show for a reason as well and she's like yeah you just kind of have to it's like it's really heavy to carry because of course it is when I came home from Rio I I won a medal so I got a lot of media attention and people with a disability don't get a voice so you have to recognize the privileged position you're in and you have to do something about it so that other people can get a voice and are listened to and even like there's just like buildings get priority over people like I know a few of my friends when you put it that way I know a few of my friends like imagine being 18 19 going on a night out with your friends and getting so excited for going on a night out and having to call the place that all your friends want to go to beforehand to find out if you can access the building or even if you can use the toilet in the building and the answer is a lot a lot of the time is no and even like with doctor surgeries one of my friends was like oh i had to go around the back by the bins to get into the building like there it's it's one of those things that people just don't want to acknowledge is no. disability and when people talk about inclusion and diversity they talk about sex gender race but they never talk about disability and they never i don't know if it's because of fear because disability can affect absolutely everyone in the world yeah but it's only fearful because of the society that we live in that isn't designed to facilitate disability if it was designed to facilitate disability there'd be nothing to fear because I get on with life like there's not really much that I can't do because I'm not really affected that much by my disability it's more like the stairs and stuff but I've gotten used to that and then like when uh, accessible doors don't work that's like and I have a coffee in my hand that is the worst thing ever because they're so heavy (laughs) and I'm like "Eh, eh," and the coffee goes everywhere but I'm there's one place in Clontarf that that door does not work and it literally irks me every time I go in <laughs> and I, I'm always so hopeful that one day it will work but even like there's there's places that have my poster outside it and they're not accessible and that just makes me so sad because I'm like that's that's blood boiling it is and people come up to me all the time and they're like you're such an inspiration and I'm like I hate, I hate when able-bodied people tell me I'm an inspiration because I'm like, what are you doing about it? What am I inspiring you to do? Go Google something, look something up. If you're a business owner, figure out how you can make your building more accessible. Employ people with disabilities. Like there's so many people out there who are unemployed because for them, it's better to be on disability allowance than to try to get a job. Yeah. Because once they get a job, their disability allowance is gone and then they won't be able to afford their medication their wheelchairs their prosthetics and that's ridiculous like in Ireland if you are have full-time employment you have to pay for your prosthetics like if I was to get a prosthetic today I'd have to pay for it and they're like 10 grand oh my god and it's things like that that people don't even realize and that's because we're not having the conversation so that's kind of what I'm trying to do so that like oh god very heavy no it's not heavy it's, but it's good like you, you have to we have to talk about this like so say com- like companies who have your picture outside and they're not accessible like that how do you feel about that kind of tokenism and you know brands hopping on stuff oh my god it's, is that is that must be really annoying it is yeah that's why like I'm a brand ambassador for certain companies yeah. and like with them we work 
on how can we make things more accessible yeah. and even like I'm an Allianz ambassador and they brought out an ad about how I was insecure as a kid and how swimming helped me and just even having that ad and that story on like that changed so many people's I, I just, like lives like I get so many messages on a daily basis of people being like thank you so much for being that person and like you don't really know what to do with that you must feel <clears throat> really proud like you've uh, you're, you haven't necessarily signed up for it as you say like mm. you get awkward but you've done an epic job I I get so angry at the same time though because I'm just like this shouldn't be inspiring and then I see like news about there was a Victoria's Secret model with Down syndrome and it was the first one ever and I was like that shouldn't be news because it shouldn't be a thing yeah. coming into the show as well like I I was so confident I was like it's physical it's grand I'm an yeah. athlete I used to dance I'll be fine and I wasn't fine like I struggle I still struggle like I nearly was crying today because of the hold because there's no one for me to look at because I don't know what it's supposed to look like with mm. two hands or like I'm not, I don't know what it's supposed to look like with one hand and I don't understand what it's supposed to feel like and at times it looks awkward and I don't I don't want it to look awkward and then I get frustrated because it looks awkward and then even in the beginning like I didn't even realize I wasn't dancing with my left side and the judges were like trying to tell me I needed to dance with my left side and I didn't understand what they were saying. Is, it, was, is that a subconscious thing that you... It was just a thing that I was automatically doing and I didn't even realise I was doing. And I had already gone on that journey of like self-acceptance. Yeah. And I didn't realise that it, it doesn't end. Like as soon as you go to do something new, you're going to probably face those challenges again. again. And I just wasn't ready for that. So like... I think it was the samba. Oh God, that, that was a hard week. But look, you're still here. Still here. You're keep, still... Keep voting. <laughs> yes. You're still smashing it. Trying to. I'm and getting so much more comfortable with it. Yeah. And it's the performance aspect as well. Like the first time Erica danced, I was like, oh, oh that's what performance <laughs> looks like. Oh, that's like. the level. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> can, I, can I back out? Stay <laughs> then. Make me better. <laughs> you're smashing it. Okay, Ellen, the moment when if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. Oh my God. Right, so <laughs> I spent 13 years trying to win a gold medal and I, I had to deal with people telling me that I kind of, not that I disappointed them, but more that like I should have done this, I should have done that. Why haven't I won a gold medal yet? Like that was yours, blah, blah, blah. And then I finally win my gold medal, right? Finally win it. And I'm, I go to an event, like very fresh off the plane, right? I go to an event. And the best thing about winning a gold medal as well is sharing it with people and seeing people's reaction and seeing them get so excited. Like people go nuts for a gold medal, <laughs> <laughs> especially if it's an Olympic or a, or a Paralympic gold medal. Like they just like people cry over these things. And you don't like for me, it's just a piece of metal. Like yeah. but seeing people's reactions is a special thing. Um, and I was at an event and this woman was like, losing it over this medal yeah. right and I was like watching her and I was watching the ribbon of the medal and it goes into her tea <laughs> what what medal no, the, like the ribbon of the medal oh so the ribbon she wasn't paying attention to the ribbon on the end of the medal and it goes into her tea and I literally could feel 
my blood starting to boil and I was like don't react don't react just smile and she started laughing and she was like oh my god I'm so sorry and I was like ha 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 my eye twitching I was like oh this is hilarious oh my god stop it I've never been so angry milky tea yeah and I was like how do I even clean this like how do you clean the ribbon of a gold medal you can't put it in the washing machine that is so infuriating I know so what did you do how did you clean it I I I don't know I think my mom cleaned it good old good old that is so Irish mommy yeah awkward I know really? I just kind of laughed along with it and I was, afterwards I was like <laughs> maybe she did it on purpose because she wanted to feel like she was a part of the medal forevermore uh, maybe yeah <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I've I've literally oh when I came back from Rio as well, my mother dropped my medal. No. On uh <laughs> it, we were we were actually gonna go see Michael D and she was carrying the medal and she dropped it on like the gravel car park and I was like, <laughs> Don't scream at your mother. <laughs> what was, what's what's Michael D like when you meet him? He's lovely, is he? Yeah. <laughs> He's a dog. He's exactly what you think he is. Did you meet the dogs? I actually didn't. No, no, they were like I. Everyone else did. I just was completely oblivious to them. Yeah. Are you? But you're a dog person. I I wasn't until I got my dog. Okay. Like my I always loved my parents' dog, but until I got my dog, now I see dogs everywhere. There's no love like it. Yeah. Obsessed. Dog. I'm like, (laughs) follow him. (laughs) Oh, you birdie blogger. Yeah, yeah. Follow him on Instagram. Uh, Okay, (laughs) Ellen, uh, you're no laughing matter moment in life. Um, so being an athlete and being a sports person can be really hard. Like there is all the glamour and the glory that you might see, but and I don't think it's talked about a lot because it's it's not great, but like it, there are hard times and there's really hard times. So obviously when I was 12 or 13, that's when I started to have those negative thoughts about my arm and my body. Yeah. But it was almost like, I got really, really, really good at negative self-talk. And when it came to racing, I couldn't switch it off. So I had been to Beijing, my first games in Beijing, I was 13. I went to London 2012 when I was 17 and I didn't perform as well as I as I wanted to. And I came home from London and I was like, right, Rio, I'm really gonna work hard t- towards Rio. But I just, all along the way, I just couldn't figure out how to, to, to do it. And my coaches were like trying to get me there. And like, I I do a good performance and then I do a bad performance. And then when I got to the year of Rio, I literally from like September to December, I was, I was ready. I was like, okay, this is my year. I'm going to win a, I'm going to win a medal. I'm going to do well. Um, and even my teammate was like, you just changed and you were just the most confident athlete I've ever seen and you were doing everything right but as soon as it got to January it's like a switch flipped and I just started to panic and I didn't I didn't believe anymore and I that's the thing about being an athlete is you have to believe in yourself Mm. um and I just didn't trust anything that my coaches were telling me to do I didn't trust myself I didn't trust any of the people around me I was so angry and then I was turning 21 as well and it was it was like literally like a switch had flipped and I just I just felt so hopeless and I didn't have any joy and I tried to I had a psychologist and I tried to talk to him and he wasn't any help and 
I didn't because I I tried to seek help and I didn't get it. I didn't know what to do. That's and, that's really scary because the number one thing you're told is to seek help and to yeah, talk to someone. Yeah, and I literally I went to Rio with the thought process of. I this is my third games like I have a bit of a profile if I don't win a medal here like how can I call myself an athlete and I completely burnt out in the first race that I did and like the staff didn't know what was going on like I didn't know what was going on it wasn't a physical thing and I kept trying to explain it but I didn't have the words so it was almost came across as if I was complaining yeah. and I was saying that it was their fault, but I just didn't understand like why I wasn't able to race and why I didn't feel good. And uh, the psychologist was like, here, if you don't, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be here. We can just tell the media that you're sick and we can pull you. And I was like, what? And I literally remember being in the team lounge with one of my teammates just bawling my eyes out and I didn't have the words and I didn't know what it was. Do you have the words now? Do you, can, oh, can like you... I was depressed. Okay. Like I was completely depressed. I'd spent years of of perfecting my negative self-talk. I had no self-belief and because of that I was like I wasn't like taking it out on my coaches but I just didn't trust them and yeah. then they they didn't understand why I wasn't performing because on paper everything was do, physically being done right. physically everything was right and it, and it was because I didn't have the education around the vocabulary of what I needed yeah. um and then when I came home from Rio that's when I was like my coach and the team doctor were like knew straight away they were like we'll figure it out and that's when I started to kind of see somebody else and I think that's like the most important thing that I got from it. It's sometimes like the professional mightn't be the professional for you. Yes. And like so many people go to get help and it doesn't work for them, but it's because they don't click with that person yeah. and you need to find someone that clicks with you. It's like any relationship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and like since then, I have really tried to work on my mental health. And it, it was always that like one area that I just hadn't perfected not perfected but I hadn't thought I needed to train yeah but it was every part of your body you need to train and your mind is part of your body so it's really been something that I've definitely worked on since Rio and that's why in Tokyo I was just so much more relaxed but even coming I just got goosebumps (laughs) thinking of the just the the progression from to go from that to Tokyo and to absolutely smash it but even coming home on the plane somebody said to me that gold medal should have been yours you should have done it you should, like uh, and I've heard so many I heard that for so many years That's and tough. it's it's the pressure that builds up yeah when you're an athlete and you need to be able to find relief from it and to to get control over your thoughts and and that's why when you go into my uh the last laugh I'll go to <laughs> oh we'll get there <laughs> but but like day to day now like do you have tools that you kind of tap into if you do feel like it's all getting too much in your head what are the things you do to chill out or to keep on top of maybe negative self-talk it's literally just talking not you don't even have to talk to a professional like it's talking to my boyfriend talking to my friends and even like just getting away from your phone like I feel like what I was doing 
because I felt the pressure and I felt the panic of the the time is ticking away. I think that's why as soon as it turned 2016, I was like, time is running out. Yeah. That's that's honestly how I felt. I was like, time is running out, time is running out. Um, and I felt like I was numbing myself with my phone. Yeah. And it's so easy to numb yourself with your phone because so like easy. five hours can go by. Yeah. And you haven't done anything. And then you're like, oh, well, it's time to go to bed now. Yeah. And, you, and you've just ignored thoughts you should have dealt with. Yeah. And and when you do that as well, you're that's as an athlete, that's where the guilt comes in, where you're like, I haven't eaten in five hours. I haven't slept. I haven't stretched. I And you know all those things, the, those boxes that you have to tick. Yeah. And I wasn't ticking them. So that's where my lack of thoughts of preparation came in. And I was like, I know I'm numbing myself. I know I'm not doing all these things. I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. And that's what I just kept telling myself. And when it came to Tokyo, I I had, not that I'd conquered it, but I'd, I'd kind of conquered my thoughts and conquered what I could control. Yeah. And I knew I was controlling all the controllables. I was going to bed on time. I was coming off my phone an hour before. I was eating at all the right things. And that's why I was just so confident in Tokyo. Yeah. And it's amazing how much confidence you can get by just kind of being with yourself yes and like that it's incredible like it's just literally a simple habit of coming off your phone yeah and just minding yourself mm. and you, you feel really smug about it actually <laughs> you when, do, you, when you yeah. do put the phone down yeah. you're like I'm gonna actually cook a little meal yeah and you're like I'm so wholesome yeah and I'm so not millennial but that's what self-care is people yeah. go on about self-care being oh I'll put a face mask on I'll, no. I'll do deep condition and yeah that's great no, it is but fab. like <laughs> turn your phone off yeah. and give yourself a break because you don't even realize how much your brain is working when you're on your phone and how much you're comparing yourself to other people and mm, yeah okay Ellen the person you always laugh with okay so this person has asked me not to name them because <laughs> of the story that's going to go with this person um but it's an old teammate of mine and I don't know if you've anyone in your life where you're telling them a story and they just, you know, when you get really excited to tell someone a story and they just don't react kind of the way you want them to. And yeah. this person literally is like, oh, and then what happened? Oh, no. And then they're like, oh, Ellen, no. And I'm like, I just get so excited to do scandalous things because then I can tell them and they're like, oh my God. But anyway, so it's someone I used to train with and we'd always like go to the jacuzzi afterwards and like this like we're always laughing but this one particular day um, they're also disabled and we spend a lot of time having people stare at us so we're used to it yeah. um, and we were just in the jacuzzi chatting away and this man is in the jacuzzi and we just didn't really think too much about him and then my friend gets out and my friend because of their disability they're shorter yeah um, and they're like at like kind of waist height yeah and this man gets out of the juicy <laughs> I was literally thinking about this in bed the other night oh and God, I couldn't stop laughing and I swear to God he had the biggest penis I've ever seen in my life <laughs> <laughs> stop it what? And I just didn't understand. I don't, it could have been a medical thing, but I just, and if it was a medical thing, they had no shame because they were in the smallest little Speedos. But I didn't understand the logistics of the Speedos either because there was like a stretch to them that isn't in a, like a normal Speedo. But anyway, it was the biggest thing I've ever seen in my life. 
and like I just kind of was like and then I made eye contact with my friend and my, my friend was like standing being like oh my god and then they didn't realize he, he was staring so much at it that they didn't realize that the man had like come over and was like looking out and then the man turned around oh no no he had his back to him and then uh the man turned around and my friend was caught just like <laughs> mouth open eyes open because they're at the height of the penis and then he got caught looking the penis the height of the penis <laughs> he got caught looking directly at it and I was sitting in the jacuzzi watching this all unfold and I was just like I couldn't hold it in and my friend was like oh, oh, I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I'm so sorry oh my god yeah. why didn't I see that coming I just didn't think it was going to go down that route <laughs> when I told you wayside <laughs> yeah that's probably, that's, when someone clicked. says somebody is wayside you know there's, there's definitely a penis going to be involved <laughs> oh my god amazing okay Ellen a time where you had the last laugh oh yes um, <laughs> so as I said like all along with my career I've I felt that pressure and I've had people be like oh you you should have won that gold medal you should have done this you should have done that and then I remember I had a friend who when I was in school and I was I was starting to commit my time a lot and I don't know if she was like sad that I didn't get to spend a lot of time with her or that I was missing out on things but she was like what are you gonna do with your life swim you'll never get anywhere mm. look at me now bitch <laughs> No, but that wasn't even my last laugh. Um, and there is also this girl that I used to compete against. And uh, she was just not a nice person. And she didn't follow me on Instagram or anything. But when I'd won my gold medal and I came home, you know the way on Instagram, you can see who's watching your stories. Yes. She doesn't follow me, but she spends her time. Oh, she's like, creeping. She's creeping. Yeah. And she does it. It wasn't just once. It was like consistently. So like I just, uh, at one point I felt like taking a picture of it and sending it to her and being like, <laughs> Just feel free to follow on just be in my battle <laughs> and I'm not like that at all but like with certain people right. I'm like look at me now <laughs> so she's just hovering mm-hmm. yeah interesting hovering yeah would you block her no I enjoy it too much I think we should block her <laughs> no I enjoy seeing her <laughs> <laughs> love it okay Ellen Keane if laughter wasn't the best medicine what would be I love a big cry I swear to god I think like that's also one thing that I learned when you keep things in they build up yeah and sometimes you have to let them out and no matter what it is like even after the show on Sundays it's so emotional it's so overwhelming there's so many moving parts and you're just in the moment so much that when you come home you just and you're at peace like I watch Grey's Anatomy and Station 19 and I ball my eyes out and it's like big ugly cry but I feel so good afterwards and my boyfriend thinks I'm absolutely psychotic and he's like oh no it's happening again isn't it (laughs) and I make all the noise but you feel so good after a good cry and in all of the time I've done the podcast no one has ever given that answer and I honestly think it might be the best one ever just go home and cry it's, it's amazing it's, it's so true <laughs> how have I never thought the of men it? in this room are like what weirdos <laughs> it's honestly there's it's nothing like nightmare. it I've had a few of them recently 
It's so good. You just, you just feel so much better. And also you kind of feel a little bit crazy because sometimes if you have like a really good one where you're mm. like bawling and as you say, like ugly crying and 20 minutes later, you kind of just forget you even did it and you're like, what, you like, I do? what was I doing today again? Because it, it's, it's so therapeutic. You just let all those bad hormones out. But it's all, like, sometimes like there's no reason for me to cry. <laughs> And I just sort of look at my boyfriend I'm like I need to do it <laughs> I need to let it out He's like so Come best. on Come on It's very healthy And I just ball And I can feel I can just feel the rush Of yeah. like relief Afterwards And I'm like oh, Okay I'm done <laughs> And you sleep so well as well So well <laughs> If you're ever having A problem sleeping uh, Listeners Have a cry And you'll go right to sleep Maybe drink some water You could dehydrate <laughs> Okay, Ellen. Uh, what is one thing about Ireland that makes you laugh? Um, just how small it is. Everyone knows everyone. Yeah. Literally, like when I was in Tokyo, I feel like I'm bragging when I was, I've said it so many times, but I, I was sitting in the kind of games area and there's this man who came over and he was like, is it all right if I sit there? And I just looked at him and like, he was wearing this like Coca-Cola top. So he worked with Coca-Cola and I just looked at him and I was like, are you Irish? And he was like, you're Irish. Cause he realized I was in kit then. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, where are you from? And he was like, I'm from Dublin. And I was like, where in Dublin are you from? I'm from Dublin. And he was like, no way. Um, and he was like, I'm from Castle Avenue. And I was like, that's in Glundarf. I'm from Glundarf. I know where Castle Avenue is. And I was like, where do you live? And he was like, in Japan, I work for Coca-Cola. And it was just so, so small that he did that. And like, that happens so much to me. Like when you're traveling, when I'm traveling, but even when I'm not traveling, my dad is one of 17. And 17. I swear to God, I think I'm related to everyone in Ireland <laughs> because my my uh, my cousin did like some sort of research. I don't know how true this is, but she did some sort of research and she came back with the like solution or the answer that we're related to Michael Collins. And I was like, Grant. Oh my God. And then uh, Stephen's wife, Kylie, uh, was in a taxi the other day and she was like, do you know a taxi driver called John? And I was like, no idea. I don't know who John is. And she was like, well, John said that he is your dad's cousin's son <laughs> and just kept talking and was telling me my whole, my whole parents' life story. And I was like, this is so weird. But it happens so much. And I'm so bad with names that sometimes people come up to me and they're like, I'm your cousin. And I'm like... <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> I just don't know what your name is. <laughs> My dad's one of 11. I thought that was a lot. 17, that is. 17. And what, um, one set of twins. Where does your dad come? I think he's third. <laughs> who knows? I don't know. There's too many of them. I know who, who the youngest is. That's it. I know who the youngest and the oldest is. <laughs> I think my dad's third. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Ellen, are you ready for your quick fire round? Kind of. I kind of struggled with these. What? Because I actually don't watch that much TV. So I, or movies. Oh yeah, and you. But we'll go it. And Come when on. you do, you watch sad ones like Grey's yeah, Anatomy. I love a cry. Come here. <laughs> okay, okay. Ellen Keane, the actor that always makes you laugh. I don't know. Ah, Ellen. I don't know. Ah, Ellen. I, I just all the actors and friends. I laugh a lot of friends. Pick one of them. Um, um <laughs> I can't even. Uh, Matt LeBlanc. Lovely. I was like, what's his name? <laughs> Joey. My eyes. <laughs> the actress. That always makes you laugh. Rebel Wilson. Oh, great. One. I laugh at her all the time, I do, yeah. The movie that makes you laugh out loud. Oh, 
I don't have one. I don't know. I don't know movies. You do know I movies. Really, I watch sad ones. <laughs> or scary ones. I like... What's Rebel Wilson in that's good? She's in Bridesmaids. Oh, there you go. No, she's not. Is she in Bridesmaids? She is, yeah. Isn't she? She is in Bridesmaids. Yeah. She's a flatmate. Yeah. And she's in... Uh, that singing thing she makes me laugh in the singing thing it's just whatever she's in but the actual movie itself What's wouldn't make me laugh thing again? Uh, Pitch Perfect Pitch Perfect there we go that's yeah. a good one uh, the comedian that makes you laugh out loud um, I was gonna say Neil Delamere but I went to a show and he didn't mention me he mentioned so many other comedian or so many contestants in Dance with the Stars but you didn't mention me well so. then we, you need to retract that Joanne McNally yes <laughs> we love Joanne she's gassed Amazing. she is so funny and I actually got tickets for her show like three years ago and everyone is on the Joanne bandwagon now and I'm like I got those tickets before no, anyone even knew who she was you're telling me she was on the last of your life in 2019 I was like Joanne oh is the oh my shit. god Joanne is the best she is so funny and now my friends are like oh my god you follow Joanne she follows you I'm like yeah we're friends actually she follows me too <laughs> Regina George I know Joanne McNally follows me Joanne <laughs> McNally wears pink lycra so I wear pink lycra uh, okay and finally Ellen Keane your best or worst joke okay um, so there was an explosion at the cheese factory in France what and all that was left was debris <laughs> Ellen you've been an absolute joy thank you so much I wish you the best of luck. <clears throat> Smash Dancing with the Stars. Thank Kick you. Kick ass. Get those tens. And if you don't, who cares? You have a gold medal. You, you're, you're, you're I you're want those queen. tens. Like, where are they? I think they lost their paddles. You'll get the tens. Yeah. The tens are coming. I feel it. Oh, thanks. Thank you so much for sharing the last of your life. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Last of Your Life podcast with Ellen Keane. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, don't forget to like and subscribe, rate and review. It really helps the show if you do. Don't forget, our new release day is Mondays. This podcast is produced by Chemistry Media and Collaborative Studios. And this season of The Last of Your Life is brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco.